broadcasting live from Business Radio X. It's time for Coach the Coach. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. If you want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic show. Please join me in welcoming to the program CEO with Think Business Growth, Inc., Miss Sharon Rich. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? We are doing great. And Sharon, before we get too far into things, tell us about Think Business Growth. How are you serving folks? So Think Business Growth is a change management leadership team development and um, team execution building firm based in Los Angeles, California. And we work with organizations that know that they can do a better job of um, contributing and serving their customers and serving their teams and making a difference in the world. So in order to believe that, they have to have some self-awareness, some level of consciousness in their leadership. Is that right? It's essential. (laughs) Um, Consciousness, you know, it's a word that I think a lot of people are conscious of these days, and we're hearing a lot more about it. But I think what we don't realize is how we humans are programmed to go unconscious (laughs) and how easy it is for us to slip into autopilot in our thinking and in our actions and in our interactions with others and not being conscious kills businesses. So now how are you defining this kind of consciousness? Like what is a business that isn't conscious look like compared to one that is? Yeah, so, um, well, one of the things, and I I talk about this quite a bit in my book, um, my book is called Your Hidden Game, and it talks about how easy it is for people, and this is true in families just as much as it is in organizations, that whenever we get a group of people together, we very easily slip into autopilot. So we make assumptions about how things work and what other people are thinking, and we slip into um, undiscussed rules and um, expectations of each other and ourselves, and we just sort of slide into these, what, what really become agreements that we don't even know that we've entered into with each other that this is how we do things here. Um, let me give you, I'll give you an example with decision-making. Almost every organization, and we can include families and associations and friend groups in this, we slip into a way that we make decisions. Um, it, some organizations, there's one person who is the decision-maker and won't release control for decision-making, even for relatively minor decisions to others. And then there are other organizations where they try to 
get input from everybody before making a decision. And there are organizations that um, never actually land on a decision until there's a crisis. <laughs> and there are organizations that, um, where they gather information from a lot of people, but then there's one key influencer who always rules the day. And the thing that's important here isn't how we're doing it, but it's that we're not aware that we have this pattern and we're not questioning whether or not the pattern that we have of making decisions is actually serving our desired outcomes or our clients or our teams. So we're just kind of on autopilot going through the motions of something that has always been rather than kind of being mindful and being in the moment and assessing the situation as it's happening? Exactly. Exactly. Now, do you see these kind of um, behaviors in companies that are more of this old school command and control? There's a hierarchy. There's somebody that's the boss that is wise, and then the workers are doing the work kind of mindlessly. Um, are those yeah. more susceptible to this kind of behavior? Well, certainly more so, but we all are susceptible to it. I think consciousness isn't a one and done. <laughs> it is about being rigorous with ourselves continuously to bring ourselves into conscious awareness of what we're thinking and what we're doing and how we're interacting. But yes, of course, in organizations like that, it's more baked in and it's much more difficult to break out of the habits and patterns of not thinking and not questioning and not evaluating. But in today's world uh, that requires such nimbleness and agility, is it possible to manage by force like that where, hey, I'm smart, just do what I say and shut up, and, rather than kind <laughs> of more organically and in, in including other people and, you know, getting the whole ecosystem involved in things? Well, people try, you know. <laughs> I, I personally, I don't believe anymore because the world has changed and the way people think has changed and the way people act and interact has changed. I don't think that that style can allow an organization to reach its full potential. So organizations certainly do survive with that old school uh, authoritarian, you know, control and force kind of um, management style, but I don't believe that they can possibly get the highest level of performance out of their teams or um, get the full information and understanding of the context that they're existing in that they need to really deliver on their vision and mission. Well, it's good job security for you, right? Uh, as long as those organizations <laughs> exist, it'll give you something to do. Yeah, pretty much as long as humans exist, there is work for people like me to, um, and, and there's a way that we can serve to help people and teams to 
continue to move to their next level of effectiveness and, and mindfulness and, um, you know, consciousness. So. Now, is that how you get brought in? Maybe the leader has some self-awareness and, and buys into this uh, consciousness and they have some employer manager that is more kind of old school and they want to get that person to the next level. So they bring in your organization to help coach him up or is that, is that some of your work? Sometimes, I mean, you know, usually there is someone in the organization. Sometimes it's the CEO, often it's the COO, often it's the operational person who is um, really accountable for the way the organization is executing, who has the awareness that, boy, we need to work on how we work together here. And we need some outside support. We're not doing this on our own. Um, more often, I tend to work collectively rather than individually. Um, I find that I can get the, um, the fastest, most stable and sustainable change in organizations by working with the entire senior leadership team or with a with those middle managers who are so used to working in silos and aren't necessarily seeing the um, overall business problems and opportunities and constraints and needs and by working with them as a group, we can create real fast but solid culture change and bring the whole organization into a higher level of consciousness and function. And that's what's needed in order for this to stick and, and to um, really permeate the organization, right? It has to impact the culture. It can't just be a tactic. It, right. It, it can't just be a, a tactic and you can't do it individually. It has to be cultural. It has to be the way we all think and act and work together. It can't, if we've got um, individuals, they're, they're going to end up pulling in different directions. And what we're looking for is teamwork. You know, if you think about any kind of sports team or um, any kind of performance group, Right. They need to be really aligned in how they're thinking and how they're playing and how they're solving problems together in order to perform. And, and business is really no different in that regard than a baseball or football team or an orchestra or um, a, a theatrical group where it's just that those kinds of organizations, their feedback is immediate, right? So they're held accountable by their fans or by the, um, the audience for their performance. In business, it's a little bit slower moving that accountability. And so we are, we tend to be slower to pick up on that and to practice in the same ways that business the, our accountability is big and the stakes are often much, much higher. And when we can start to think in this kind of accountable cultural way, we can completely transform the results we're producing. Well, yeah. Like you mentioned in sports uh, or performance, you know, you're, you're 
results are, you know, obvious. So your, your record is who you are, right? But in, in business, it may not be as obvious initially, but what are some of the symptoms that maybe you need to start thinking in this new manner and really kind of work on your culture and, and, and improve your level of consciousness? So the symptoms that you can observe in your organization is, um, you know, often it shows up in conflict, right? Where, where um, there are breakdowns between people um, or breakdowns in the flow of information or your organization's ability to meet deadlines or hit metrics or um, solve problems. Um, so anything that is showing up as a, um, a failure or a slowdown or some kind of area of underperformance points to an opportunity to improve the way that we work and to look at where we've slipped into unconscious patterns that might have worked beautifully at one point in time but maybe don't in our new set of circumstances. Is there anything an organization can do, you know, without working with you, like some low hanging fruit that they can make some changes or make some improvements? Well, sure. I mean, I think that one of the most important things is to talk about how we work together. And that's what my book is all about is um, the book brings out 10 agreements that we tend to be unconscious of that if we just open up these conversations in our organizations amongst first probably amongst the senior leaders but then driving these conversations through the organization and talk about well gee you know how are we making decisions here how are we sharing information with each other can we do this better right how are we dealing with problems as they show up. Are we ignoring them? Are we allowing them to continue? Are we addressing them in a productive way or are we addressing them in a way that causes people to shut down? And so just by making new intentional agreements that are out on the table and striving to change our behaviors to come into alignment with these agreements, that can go a really long way. Now, uh, when you're saying these agreements, so you mentioned 10 agreements that are uh, discussed in your book, um, is this something that the senior leadership sits down and go, okay, this is uh, the 10 conversations we should be having, and we're going to talk about this on a regular basis, and we're all going to get aligned around answering these things collectively? How does it work kind of practically in terms of how the company would implement this? Yeah, that, that would be a beautiful start, <laughs> you know, because it, just imagine if the CEO or COO or some other key leader in the organization were to get everyone together and say, hey, you know, let's talk about the way we're making decisions and how is this working, right? Where, where are these breaking down? How can we do this better? Let's talk about this. Because how often do we talk about this? We don't. We just slip into autopilot. And having, like playing consciously, right? Being coached, whether internally by ourselves or 
by a facilitator who might have some objectivity that we might not have to help us see that, that can completely change the game, get us broken out of the, the stuff that we don't even know we don't know and that might be getting in our way. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you'd like to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. We're visiting with Sharon Rich. She is CEO with Think Business Growth, Inc. We've been talking about organizational agreements, managing change. Sharon Stone Payton here with Business Radio X. I've been listening in to your conversation with Lee with a tremendous interest and intrigue. I have a question Around this issue of impact as a practitioner, and I'm just curious to know, and I think maybe our listeners will be as well, how do you personally choose to uh, define, measure, and make sure that you as a practitioner really are delivering um, genuine impact in your work? That's a great question, Stone. Thanks for asking. Um, well, one thing is that we, as part of our consulting process with our clients, we established the metrics. Um, we define really clearly the outcomes and the new habits and behaviors that we want to see in the organization. And we establish a way of measuring whether or not we're making these changes and exhibiting these desired behaviors and the impact of those behaviors on our business results. And so, you know, so number one, very specifically, we are making our impact measurable so that we can all sense and and observe whether or not what we're doing is working and then we can make adjustments as we go so i'm really looking for those kinds of improvements along with things that you can sense in terms of the change in the culture where i can really see people getting more excited i can hear changes in the language that they're using with each other I can see changes in their interactions and in their openness and in their ability to contribute. Does that answer the question? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Now, Sharon, talk, talk a little bit about your backstory. How did you get into this line of work? So I spent about 25 years as a leader in the world of advertising and marketing. And I owned my own agency, and then I served on the leadership teams of um, several other agencies that were both uh, uh, regional and national, and one that was even international. And I really noticed that as I progressed to more and more responsible levels of leadership, um, no one ever really had a conversation with me 
about who I was as a leader or what we were trying to accomplish. And pretty much it was kind of like, here's your hose, there are the fires, go for it. And over time, I started to see that I wasn't the only person <laughs> who was sort of falling up into leadership roles, but without any kind of conversation about how I can succeed here, what success looks like, um, what kinds of tools I might leverage to accomplish what I'm presumably here to do. And I, that is what that in going through a really um, botched <laughs> or mishandled change in an organization and seeing the impact on the organization, its clients, the team, everybody, um, that really drove me to do this work and help other leaders to have more tools and support for navigating this complicated world. Now, coming from a uh, marketing background, does that help you in your consulting um, because you have that lens as well? I am grateful every day for that background. I, it has taught me so much and equipped me so well um, for being able to um, take in and, and um, integrate a lot of uh, complex information and being able to communicate clearly and effectively and being able to, everything is marketing really, you know, I mean, we're, we're constantly marketing to each other as well as to our communities and to our clients. So um, we can't really separate um, management and um, organizational behaviors from marketing. They're very much intertwined. So I, I really, really, appreciate having had that background. Well, when business growth is two thirds of your uh, company's name, then ROI uh, <laughs> has to come into play here, right? So you have to have an <laughs> ROI right. conversation and having a marketing background probably helps you have those kind of conversations. For sure. For sure. Now, um, in your kind of, this is a slight pivot, I guess, in your career from going from a marketing person to this leadership consulting uh, path that you're on. Do you have any advice for coaches out there, consultants out there that want to make that kind of a change? Anything that can help them uh, smooth out their learning curve a little bit? Um, I think that the most important thing that anyone can do is get inner clarity. It's really an inside job. Um, and I'm constantly pivoting even within this business because the world around us is changing so fast and the opportunities to serve are um, all over the place. And so I think it's being very clear about what the impact is that I want and, an a and am able to have and developing my thinking and clarity around that and knowing what not to focus on as well as what to focus on. 
I, I'd say that that's what I would advise other people to do. Now, is your work primarily in the marketing area? Is that where your clients are or is your work go across industries? Yeah, not at all. I act, I thought when I got into this that I would probably be working with a lot of ad agencies and um, marketing companies. Um, and I do have some clients in that space, but I do a lot of work in healthcare. I do a lot of work in technology, manufacturing. I've worked with nonprofits. I've worked with people in professional services. So I, I really work with all different kinds of clients. I think what most of my clients have in common is number one, that they are aware and that they are navigating growth and change. Every organization is, but some are more conscious of it than others. And that they um, recognize that the way that people work together is core. It is a core essential competency and that it is worth an investment of um, of time and money to get that, I don't want to say right as if it's, you know, ever completely finished, but that it's worth working on and that it is, it probably makes a bigger difference. It, it trumps everything else that if we get our culture right, if we figure out how to work together, then we can navigate anything. And so that's really what my clients have in common, regardless of what industry they're in. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more and have more substantive conversation with you, what are the coordinates and maybe get a hold of your book as well? Yeah. So my book is called Your Hidden Game, and it is up on Amazon um, as well as other platforms. Um, I can be found at uh, www.thinkbusinessgrowth.com, and I can be emailed at Sharon at thinkbusinessgrowth.com and I welcome conversations and uh, you know opportunities to meet and collaborate with new people. Well, Sharon Rich, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.